Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Record Rangers podcast. I'm Gavin Berry and once again I'm delighted to see I'm joined by the Daily Records Andy Newport and Sunday Mail Chief Football Writer Scott McDermott. We can look back over Sunday's 1-0 win over Aberdeen. Uh, it was the day that Celtic clinched the title. It was pretty low-key Andy. You were there at Ibrooks. Uh, Todd Cantwell's screamer. That sort of lit up an otherwise pretty dull game but then the post-match press conference explodes into life when Michael Beale confirms what the kind of worst-kept secret Alfredo Morelos will be going away in the summer and he aims that kind of brutal swipe at him saying that when he came on, uh, he said I made, it made a difference in terms of energy, but not in a positive way. Mm-hmm. Um, was it, I see some people saying it was uncalled for, what, why is he saying it now? If he honestly believed it, why has he been playing him? I suppose that goes back to Scott's point last week that he's got no other option, but was it uncalled for? Do you think it was a bit below the belt? Was it justified? I mean, it's the sort of perils of uh, being a working journalist at these games. He, he came on in the last sort of 20 minutes and that's the point in which uh, usually uh, links us are all head down clattering, so uh, clattering out the match report. So I didn't say, I wouldn't say I, I took too much notice of his performance, but then again, I think you could have said that all season. Um mm-hmm. He's just sort of floated through games without really making any impact at all. And that was pretty much what he did uh, against Aberdeen. And the only sort of thing I can really remember, his only involvement, he had a, a run-in, I think it was with Angus McDonald. Angus McDonald got a booking and it's one of those usual ones where Morelos is standing over somebody, he sort of doesn't swing a leg at him, but he certainly makes, he sort of brushes his leg against McDonald's. He's trying to sort of free himself from a tango. And it's one of those ones that, Morelos, you're, you're never quite sure whether or not he was um, he was going to combust or not. Um, but you know, I just I think it just summed up sums him, sums him up. You know, he's you know he's just he's so far away from the player we once knew, the guy that you know Rangers were so reliant on for for so long. Under you know when Stephen Gerrard was was in charge, he, he would be central to everything Rangers would do, and he's just so far from that now. And, you know, I wrote a piece this sort of week. I mean, Michael Beale, you're asking, is it harsh that Michael Beale's had a pop? You know, he's he's the fourth Rangers manager uh, during Morelos' time at the club that has had to, at uh, one point or another, come out and have a pop. I mean, undoubtedly, he's been a great, He's at times he's been a great servant at the club. You know, he, he scored tremendous amount of goals, you know, you've got that European uh, goal-scoring record, he scored, you know, memorable goals. Um, as I say, he was a one-man battering ram for a, you know, a spell. Um, you think of that season where he had 28 goals, I think it was, by Boxing Day. You know, he was, he, you know, those are the things that Rangers fans will remember positively about him, but unfortunately, Manelos doesn't live this two sides to him. And, um, I think that'll be the regret, obviously, his, t- his time coming is that 
if, if it should have been so much more that his career should have produced so much more. And I think it's really only himself that he's got to blame. It's you know I know that there's people have sort of set out to wind him up at times, and you know he's you know unfortunately at times he's not been he's not reacted the prop the right way to that. But you know that's a guy that's has got great talent, and I, I think the worry for him will be perhaps have, have we seen the best of Morelos? Is this is this the start of the decline for his career? Because He's just won nothing over the last year since he come back from that injury that indicates that he's in any way ready to become the player he was. And I think that's that's a sad sight. I mean, it's, it's, pretty, it's a shame because, as I say, he was such a, a you know a fearsome striker when he was when he was at his best and fit and fired. Scott, I saw underneath the, the club tweet or, or a tweet with Michael Beale's quote. There was a, a a fan who replied saying that this guy was a record record scorer in Europe for Rangers, and that he was really his son's first sort of proper Rangers hero because you know obviously during the the, the time yeah. through the lower league there was no real sort of you know guys that would have posters on the wall you know but that Morelos was the first for his son. You know, did, did he deserve more than that swipe? Um, and do you think? It was just sort of Michael Beale at the end of his tether with everything coming ahead, you know, the the, the, the criticism that he'd been getting. Do you think he just sort of threw him under a bus? I don't think he's thrown him under the bus, Gav. I think Michael Beale's swipe at Morelos has probably been coming for a while and it was almost like Beale finally kind of snapped. No, when Michael Beale came in, no, you need to understand that he had to get a tune out of these players, whatever he thought of them. He could never criticise them in public because he still had to try and beat Celtic at a League Cup final, no Scottish Cup to go and try and win. So he had to back them publicly. But we've spoke on here many a times. I've certainly said that when Michael Beale looks at his striker options when he comes in the door, neither Alfredo Morelos or Antonio Cholak were ever going to fit into the way Michael Beale wants to play or wants his strikers to play. And Morelos' work rate is nowhere near what what a Michael Beale team needs or what, what Beale's gonna be looking for. So I don't think it was I don't think he was throwing him under the bus. Listen, it's a big boy's game. I mean he's not exactly you know, listen, it's he's had a wee dig at him for a lack of energy. I agree with Andy, I think Andy's hit the nail on the head. For me, Morelos has offered absolutely nothing up front for Rangers for no, well over a year, I think. I mean, you can go back to... The one I always go back to is Gio Van Bronckhorst, one of his last games. Or, no, was his last game away to St Mirren? Oh, yeah. Rangers drew. I mean... Oh, yeah, I remember. One of the, one of the single worst performances I've ever seen for a Rangers player. And that, that's saying something in terms of... His lack of effort, his attitude, his professionalism, it was a disgrace that day. Now, listen, I totally understand your point, Gavin, and I've, you know, a lot of Rangers people I've spoken to have said that to me, that for this generation, mm-hmm. almost post-administration, Morelos is the first hero. And I get it because he's a character you know, on the pitch, certainly. He's, he's, a, he's a big personality. He's controversial. No, he scored some massive goals. No, Rangers European top scorer. You can never take that take that away. As Andy said, there's been spells in his Rangers career where he's been sensational. No, you think about 
the night, no, home and away against Feyenoord in the Europa League, no, the goals against Porto, home and away. Yeah. No, they kind of spring to mind. But I mean, I think I'm right in saying he's no he's not scored 20 league goals in any campaign since he's been at Rangers. I don't think his record against Celtic is particularly great. I think he's got a couple of goals. Three, um three goals. Three, three goals against him, a couple of them in the kind of COVID yeah, I don't think for a Rangers centre forward his record against Celtic's been good enough. He's been an unbelievable signing for a million for a million quid. Mm-hmm. And as we've said many times on here, Rangers should have cashed in on him when he was when he was flying. No, we keep going back to this so-called fourteen million pound bid from Leo. Um, no, we're led to believe that. That was that was a fact, so that that was true. So, in hindsight, they should have they should have cashed in. Um, but sorry, I, I get the fact that the punters who punters. didn't see Gascoigne and Loudrop and yeah. these kind of people, Morelos probably was the first year with a lot of these kids. I get that, but yeah. as I say, football's a ruthless business, and for the last eighteen months, Morelos has been miles miles away from what Rangers need in a centre and if you're playing devil's advocate, those criticising Michael Beale and who were not, I'm not saying they're defending Morelos, but they're, they're being critical of, of Michael Beale, you know, having that swipe with him. Would he say the same about Ryan Kent? You know, would he have the same dig at Ryan Kent? You know, would he? Uh, or no, Morelos, maybe, maybe, maybe not. But, but I don't think, I don't think you naturally look at Ryan Kent and think that he's not trying. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or think that he's not putting a lack of effort in. I, I've always felt, apart from the apart from the semi-final the other week, where we're led to believe you know, he's, he's carrying an injury, they, they took mm-hmm. a risk with him and played him for 45 minutes, and he looked, Kent looked miles off it. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've looked at Ryan Kent in many games and thought he's not trying. I mean, he's been poor in games, and we've spoken right. about how his numbers have they been good enough, but... But not like a no, in terms of his work rate and tracking back, so I, I, I would I would never accuse Kent of that. I don't know if Andy disagrees with no, that. I, 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 totally, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, the, the performance that did spring to mind was that one, obviously, just a couple of weeks back at Hamden, where you know he was such a shadow of his former self, but you're also putting that down to the fact he's you know just back off a couple of weeks out with injury. And, um, yeah, he's not had the same level of impact. I don't think he's ever been consistent enough to sort of be talked about as a true sort of Rangers great. I mean, I think he's been, a, again, like Morelos, he's had his moments where he's been very good. I don't think he's been anywhere near consistent enough, but I don't think, I'm, I agree with Scott, I don't think work rate is anything you could ever go yeah. on. Yeah, consistency maybe doesn't have the levels that would be to put up there with the sort of, you know, the top, top players that have played for Rangers down the years, but, you know, work rate, I don't think you could ever sort of question that. Okay. Gav, I mean, I'm, I'm convinced, sorry, Gav, I'm convinced that if Michael Beale had other options in the striker role, say KMR Roof was fit when he when he yeah, came in, yeah. I, I don't think Alfredo Morelos would have hardly played a game. Right. Yeah, yeah. Even, when, even when he's played poorly, mm-hmm. Michael Beale has backed him in press conferences. And obviously yeah. you hear fans saying, the, oh, I mean, how, how can he do this? A couple of weeks ago, he was backing him. He had to back him because he had to play him. He needed yeah. to try and get, he needed to try and get a performance of him. Even yeah. when if you take a step back, you know, since Bill the minutes since the minute Bill came in, no, Morelos is not his type. 
a centre forward. I'm, I'm convinced of that. And listen, that might just be my opinion. The current Morelos or the Morelos that Gerard had, you know, that one, you know, that first season, that second season. Uh, where yeah, listen, Morelos at his peak, of course, no, of course, he would, he would play. No, even then, Andy, I still don't think, as I say, for the way Rangers, or for the way Bill wants his Rangers team to play, I just don't think that type of striker, the Morelos type of striker, is what is what he'll be looking for. And listen, we'll see that in the in the summer when he goes and buys forward players, you know the types that he, that he brings in. Um, but certainly, listen, he's he's the club's all time top scorer. As I say, you're never going to you know, take that away from him. Those nights that we spoke about, some of the goals, outstanding for a million pound take nothing away from a, a, a brilliant signing. Yeah. But, no, that's moved on. You've got a new manager now. Rangers have lost the last two titles. Morelos hasn't kicked a ball literally for 18 months, in, in my mind anyway, at least. Yeah. So, for fans to get annoyed because the manager's a wee digger, I mean, come on. Okay. Andy, so just to go back then, touching on Scott's point about Morelos uh, and Cholak not really fitting into be or certainly Morelos and, and his current frame of mind not fitting into what Bill wants. Uh, in terms of Cholak, reports this morning that Rangers will be happy to let him go. He could he could be probably off in the summer, blistering start to his Rangers career. Um, going off the boil now, but are you surprised? Listen, a year on, that will make no, that. Did you yeah, think he would even just keep on the bench for domestic games or lead the line in domestic games? I suspect he's only the news that's coming out today is on the basis that they think you know he might not be happy to sit on the bench. You know, this is a guy that's you know played regularly over mm-hmm. the last few years, and you, know, you obviously saw him at Malmo playing regularly. Um, okay, he struggled in Pauk uh, in Greece to get regular game time but when he was in Germany he was a sort of regular so I think that's an understanding that he's probably uh, won't be entirely happy to sit on the bench and yeah I agree you know I, you know, he, he's shown that when chances fall his way in the penalty box he, he's clinical he, he, he's, he's ruthless at times but just doesn't involve himself uh, nearly enough um, in the sort of general run of play there was a he came back in having been out injured when Michael Beale first came in and had a wee sort of short spell running, and he certainly looked like he was making improvements there. But you know, I still don't think that's his natural game. And, and I think you know, Scott's right. We will be looking for somebody that makes a, a more all-round impact in the game that's involved in you know, as much in the build-up as he has in the penalty box. So, um, yeah, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, it, it wouldn't shock me if he, if he stayed on next year if if they decide that you know, okay, he might be a decent backup option. But one thing I'd say is that. Anytime he's really come off the bench, he hasn't really made that impact. The only sort of impact you've seen him is when he started games. He's he's been able to sort of find his way into the game. Obviously, he's he's, he's had these these repeated niggles really since the sort of turn of the year that have stopped him getting that consistent run of games either. Mm-hmm. So you know maybe that's you know hampered him. But I can't remember too many times that he's come off the bench and and done much. You know he's he's always come on when games are sort of fizzling out and so. Perhaps that's the thinking that well, if it, if it is going to be sort of sort of limited to bit part next year, and he's only going to get a few minutes here and there off the bench, is he a type of player that sort of reacts well to that? I'm not sure that's the case. So perhaps it might be just the best option for all parties, just to allow him to move on. Kolak out, Ryan Jack maybe staying. Scott one extra year, according to reports. So surprised, happy with that. 
Uh, no surprise, Gav, because um, we spoke to Michael Beale several weeks ago and he, he kind of dropped a very heavy hint. That he, well, he actually said he wanted Ryan Jack to be part of his plans. I mean, there's maybe a wee bit of doubt being cast on that just because Jack hasn't played uh, more recently. But nah, I'm, I'm no surprised that, as we said last week on here, I mean, you can't get rid of everybody. So he's going to need still some experienced heads and that dressing room and um, people that have kind of been there done it know what it's all about ryan jack obviously comes into that category no the, the the crucial thing for ryan jack for club and country is that he stays stays fit when he's fit and firing he's a real asset in your team and i think when bill has played him this season he has been fit you've seen the kind of influence he can have on the rangers team will he be a certain starter in michael Beale's team next season there's every chance he won't be, but he's getting to that stage in his career. I think Ryan Jack would want to stay at Rangers, even if it's been part of a successful squad, you knowing and playing his part. He'll know that he won't play every game under Bill if the changes that we expect to happen uh, happen over the summer. But no, I'm not surprised. I think if you can get Ryan Jack, no well, international midfielder, if you can get him fit, you can keep him for another season, um, and he's happy to be there then. It's a decent bit of business. I think we've said enough times in here that, you know, Ryan Jack went fit. There's, there's no issue there. The only issue is that it's keeping him, you know, ready for games. And, you know, maybe Scott's right. If he if he's playing only a sort of bit, bit part next year, you maybe you can pick and choose his games a wee bit more than has been the case, certainly this season, when, when fit he's really had to play because other around him haven't really been stepping up to the levels that he's been producing. It's just, as you say, keeping him you know, away from injuries that's, that's been the issue. Um, it'd be interesting to know how the deal will be structured, or a sort of pay-as-you-play type of affair, or if it would be, you know, if it's just, you know, a straight one-year deal, we'll need to wait and see um, how those details come out. But, you know, I don't think, uh, I've never thought that there was much chance of him moving on this summer. The sort of vibes when you speak to people around about him, that he was keen to stay, and it doesn't surprise me that he'll, he'd be keen to agree another, another year's extension. Todd Cantwell's goal, the difference on Sunday, a peach, a, a volley. Um, he really has set the standard, hasn't he? I mean, in terms of what Michael Beale is going to need in the summer. So it all goes well. Bear in mind, he's only signed two players, Cantwell and Raskin. Raskin's maybe not, I mean, a lot of praise right at the start. Is it fair to say that he's maybe let those standards drop ever so slightly? But Cantwell is the opposite. He seems to be doing it every week. Yeah, I mean, uh, his goal at the weekend was the real one sort of bit of quality from, from the gate the whole 90 minutes. Um, and he seems to be somebody who enjoys the sort of responsibility that comes with playing for a club the size of Rangers. I mean, even with things like, you know, I know the video, the video doing the rounds of him sort of taking the bottles of water away from Rio Tati at Hamden sort of didn't go down well with the Celtic fans. But you've seen him, there was, even at full time, he was... Team had been, uh, been beaten and he was still sort of having a wee knock at um, Callum McGregor and the referee and had a wee sort of a wee row, <laughs> a wee head to head at uh, full time at Hamden and I think things like that. I think that's the type, you know, Rangers need more figures like that, more figures that are spiky and, you know, aren't going to settle just for being beaten week in, week out by, by the, the direct rivals. So, you know, I, I think that, that should be the encouraging thing. If he's the sort of level of player that Michael Beals 
looking to bring in, then I think Rangers fans should be encouraging me. I think it's interesting the fact that you know he was a guy who sort of drifted out the picture at Norwich and you know, they're now trying to obviously in Kieran Dow bring in somebody who's still very much uh, been part of the sort of the plans at Norwich. I think Norwich are quite disappointed to see him leaving this summer on a free transfer. So uh, you know I think that should be the encouraging sign for Rangers fans that you know Bill's looking to bring guys of not just the quality but the, the character set as well. I think Cantwell Cantwell's almost like the kind of poster boy gav for what Bill wants yeah. to do next season. And that's that's everything. I mean, you know he's got quality, but as Andy says, he actually looks hungry. No, he looks angry. He's been booked quite a lot since he came up as well. Five, so he, five games in a row. Uh, so he's got that wee bit of that wee bit of dig about him. Even the way he speaks, and Andy and myself have both spoken to him kind of before and after games. And you no, know, he speaks with a real kind of confidence, a real authority, a real personality, just what Rangers need and what Bill's looking for. Um and the goal on Sunday is now starting. I mean we're getting to the end of a season, but you feel as if Cantwell's actually you know getting back to his back to his best and he's producing goals and, and assists and really good performances. I said um the other week I thought in the semi-final, he was Rangers' best. Uh, he was Rangers' best player, um, despite Andy's man-by-man ratings. Um, <laughs> no, he, he. I thought he was our be- best player at Hamden just because he had that. To that, be fair, that, I that, thought he was our best player too. I just didn't give him that higher score. That was... <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, you're right. In terms of you no know, people following him into the building, Bill will will kind of hold him up and say, "This is." This is exactly the type of character that, that I'm looking for. And I think listen, it's still early days, but he looks like a really good uh, looks like a really good signing. Andy, the other talking point, I mean, from the game at the weekend, fact, one of the major talking points, is this foul by Goldson on at the time, what did you think? I mean, because there's been so much debate over it since since the weekend, <laughs> this one incident. What did you think at the time? Free kick? Did you think a penalty, or can you remember at that moment? I, I certainly thought he was a lucky boy because he was all over him. Uh-huh. Took makes his way to the sort of outside of the the sort of right hand side of the box. Um, I think there's every possibility. Had uh, the officials in the day had another look at it, that he might have been sent off uh, in terms of denying a goal scoring opportunity. Because I think Duke. If he gets past Goldson when he's outside the box, he's clean through on Robbie McCrory. I, I didn't think he, I, I think Goldson does enough to try and show that he's not wrestling by the time Duke falls into the box. So I don't think it would have been a penalty, but I certainly think he, he sort of skated in thin ice in terms of a sort of last man red card. Right. Well, so that's the only because the argument against Barr getting involved is that. It was a free kick outside the box, and therefore VAR couldn't get involved. But if it's a red card, then VAR, of course, could get involved. So, so you think VAR could have? I, th- I think on the basis, of, I know he's he's obviously wide of goal at the time, but mm-hmm. at the point where he sort of turns inside goals, and he's one on one with the goalkeeper. Even if the angles against him, it's mm-hmm. hard to think see how it wouldn't be described as a goal scoring opportunity. So, I, I I think he was lucky in that sense. Okay. Scott, did you see it? Uh, I've seen the, the highlights. I mean, I, I pretty much agree with Andy. I mean, I, I don't think... I've heard a lot of people saying, no, Stonewall penalty and cast iron. I don't think 
I don't think you can say that. I mean, I think there's a debate to be had on it. I do think Goldson, Goldson gets lucky initially because Andy says is all over him outside the box. So the question is, does it carry in? And as Andy says, I think Goldson probably just does enough to get to get off of him just before just before they get into the box. Um, but I definitely think it should have been blown for a blown for a foul. And as Andy says, you're then looking at no VAR should have get involved in because there is a there is a debate whether it's a clear goal scoring opportunity and, and therefore a, a red card. So the referee should probably have been sent over to have a have another look. Um but listen and, and by the way it, it could have been a penalty. I mean it's tight on the line if he if he thinks obviously that the foul carries on onto the line and into the box, then you're on the risk of a penalty. But I, I don't I, I certainly wouldn't say it was a, a stonewall penalty. I think there's I definitely think there's a bit of debate to be had about it. This has then led into this wider debate that Rangers have conceded zero penalties this season. Although I see pointed out that of course Patrick Thistle were awarded a penalty um, in the Scottish Cup, and then it's I well zero penalties the league, <laughs> zero penalties the league. So it just shows you how you can uh, you know massage a stat to, uh, to to suit your so-called agenda, but. Uh, it's just, no, it's, I, think I, I just think it's nonsense. Yeah, well, the other thing we must say is that as soon as as soon as soon it was put out there, okay, Rangers conceded zero penalties, somebody then immediately points to a Celtic season, didn't they? And said, yeah. make that season, Celtic didn't concede any penalties. What, what, what was it, 14, 15 or, or whatever one it was? I think, a few, I think a few years ago, Hibs went a full season without conceding penalties as well. So... so. I, I, just, I don't care. I think, I think it's a dangerous game when you start getting into you know, conspiracies and referees and stuff like that, and you no know, bias against one team or not. It's just, it's just a nonsense calling referees kind of integrity into question. I mean, we can, we've all called them incompetent at times. Um, certain ones, and there's been some horrendous decisions, probably this season, especially once VARs get involved. Um, but to suggest anything otherwise, I mean, listen, for a start, in my lifetime, Rangers and Celtic have conceded very few penalties in seasons, especially at home. And that's fairly simple because Rangers and Celtic dominate games, yeah. opposition, teams don't, opposition teams don't get in the box that often. So I just, that's why there's no, uh, that's why they concede so few penalties. And yeah. to me, that's. As I say, that's been pretty much the same my whole lifetime. So I don't know why why people think they really should suddenly be conceding loads of penalties. Yeah. We don't shirk the big issues on this podcast, Andy. So I'll go to you next. Uh, the other big topic of discussion. <laughs> I mean, the celebrations hadn't even died down at Tyne Castle with Celtic on Sunday. And it was saying, will Celtic get a guard of honour? Now, um, I have to say, Chris Sutton... And our columnist was one of the first to put it on Twitter and pose the question. And I did wonder whether two years ago when Rangers won the league and went to Celtic Park, I thought, did he ask the same question? And in his defence, in his defence, he did. He criticised Celtic for not doing it when um, Stephen Gerrard's Rangers went there having won the league. John Kennedy said at the time, I looked back this morning to see why they didn't and if they explain why they didn't John Kennedy said well yeah we're not giving Rangers a guard of honour because they didn't do it for us two years ago when Brendan Rodgers was in charge so it looks to me like it's just going to go round and round and round and, all, and it's never going to happen so are you going to say that Rangers won't do it 
this season because Celtic didn't do it two years ago? I'm, I'm going to say it's never going to happen because it's never going to happen. Like, <laughs> next question. <laughs> was it? When did this become a thing? I, I think oh, actually, why people just accept that it's never going to happen? Still I, think, about it. I think it actually became a debate around about sort of uh, that championship season. I, I think. Remember when Rangers did it to Hearts the year? Oh, oh did Rangers do it to Hearts? Yeah, Hearts get promoted. I saw. I had for, totally forgotten about. it. I saw a picture the other day on Twitter. All right, Rangers did afford one to Hearts the year they came up, but we know that. There'll be those that want to make mischief and say, Well, if they could do it for hearts, they should be doing it for sale. It's just never going to happen. It's right. never going to happen. I think, I mean, I might be wrong on this, but I think Rangers might have provided one to Celtic after they won the European Cup in 1967. I think right. it might I, have been the case, but I think it was more common back then. But in recent times, it seems to me, I think that season you're talking about, Andy, was I think it was between Hibs and Hearts, maybe. Did Hibs refused to give one to Hearts that season, and it was a big thing. Uh, I, 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 I saw a picture of Rangers doing one to win. Rangers, uh, Rangers, Rangers, Rangers. I broke, so. Listen, <laughs> uh, but it's just never going to happen. There's no way that the Rangers fans will accept their team lining up to applaud out a Celtic team that's just, you know, effectively horsed them across the, the space of a season <laughs> and is going, going to win a fifth treble in whatever seven years. It's never going to happen. It's just, it's a, it's a, it's a and I know we are as bad as you know anyone for, for raising these points and dragging these things out, but it's just never going to happen. So, as I say, next yeah, question. And, and why should it? Rivalries. Rivalry, that's what, that's what we love, that's what the game's all about. I mean, if I suddenly yeah. just applauding teams on their park, applauding your rivals on their park, I mean, Jesus. It's all, it's all about Premier League for me, that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. United did it a few years ago. Was it Chelsea or something? Yeah, I think we did. No, half and half scarves and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, no, yeah. we'll go there, right? Okay. okay. You don't like that kind of stuff. We prefer the we don't even have away fans now. We don't, we don't have away fans. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's, it's going to a totally new level. Right, well, you'll both be there at Ibrox on Saturday, so you can let us know if it happens when, as the teams come out of the tunnel. We'll be looking for your update, Andy, in our live blog. I want you to tell us right away if it happens. I'll be, I'll be right on the phone, Gav. You can... Great. <laughs> You're waiting by the phone. Don't worry. Great. Well, we'll catch up next week to see how it all goes. So thanks for your time this week, guys. Cheers, Gav. Cheers, boys. Oh, cheers. <laughs>